Money Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, it's the Friday edition of Talking Real Money, and uh, I'm Don McDonald. And as has become a tradition, we're going to get some of your questions answered on today's program here at the end of the week. Whenever you listen to it, I'm doing it at the end of the week. What's the stock market doing? Why do you care? You don't want to pay any attention to that. That's why we don't talk about current things. It just doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Hey, stock market goes up, goes down, goes up more than it goes down. So that's all you need to know. But you do have questions, some of them really, really complicated, really convoluted. But since you went to all the trouble to record them at TalkingRealMoney.com using the little microphone button, I feel I must do my best to give you some answers, which is exactly what I'm going to do right this very moment here on Talking Real Money. Remember, you can call us at 855-935-TALK or send your questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Here's the first. Hello, Tom and Don. This is Aron. Thank you for the great show. A lot of good information. I'm learning a lot from your show. My question is regarding my high, high deductible health insurance plan with HSA account, which my employer offers, and see if um, we are eligible to switch to a traditional low deductible plan, which my wife's employer offers. So here's our situation. Uh, me, my wife, and my two-year-old son are currently enrolled in my current currently enrolled in my employer-sponsored high-deductible plan with HSA. We are expecting our second child um, next year, February. We are set to max out our HSA contribution for this year. My employer puts in $1,000 per year in my HSA account. So far, our total contribution for this year is $4,446. My company plan has open enrollment period in late October with plan effective date of January 1st. My wife's company has an open enrollment in August with plan effective date of September 1st. With ongoing regular checkup and delivery fee uh, for our second child, we believe our out-of-pocket expenses will be less if my wife and my son are enrolled in my wife's company low deductible plan. So here are our questions. Um, can my wife and son be in a separate plan in the middle of the year and me continue in the current high deductible plan so that we can retain our HSA account. The second question is, so how is the HSA contribution calculated for the rest of the year? With a single person enrolled in HSA plan, uh, I believe the annual limit is like $3,600 and I've already exceeded that amount. So what will happen to the difference? So thank you for your so it's... Um, we have to decide it pretty quickly. So if you can give us an answer earlier, that'll be great. Thank you. Thanks for the question. And it is one of the complex ones. There's a lot of it depends in there. Um, just to reiterate, just to restate, um, you got a, a high deductible plan, which allows you to fund an HSA, which as a family, you can fund up to, I think it's like $7,300 a year. Yeah, $7,300 a year. But as a single person, you can only fund up to $3,650. You're aware of that. Now, 
if your premiums are really low on the two policies, yeah, your wife and son can be on the other policy and you can be on the high deductible policy. And that might work out really well for you. However, you're right. If you're the only one under the high deductible plan, then your maximum contribution is $3,650, unless you're over age 55. That means since you're already over it, you're going to need to stop contributions for the rest of the year and have your employer return the overage. Otherwise, going forward every single year for the amount that you went over, you're going to pay a 6% penalty to the IRS every single year. So it's best to get it out. Just have your employer take it back out if this is what you decide to do. But yeah, I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't work. It sounds to me like a perfectly workable plan. Just make sure that you run all the numbers. That's really that's the it depends part. Run the numbers on the premiums. Run the numbers on the on the costs and the like. And if you're going to save some money, then yeah, more power to you. Thank you so much for calling it in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Again, the number 855-935-TALK or visit TalkingRealMoney.com. Go to the contact form. Hello, Tom and Don. Hey, I have a question for you. I was listening to your podcast the other day about an EFT and a taxable account. I currently own the S&P 500 Schwab Fund at a ridiculously low 0.02%, whatever, 2%. My question to you, if I switch it out for an EFT S&P 500 fund, will I be charged capital gains since I had a big run-up this year? Thanks, guys. Thanks for doing a great job. Um, If you could answer my question, I'd really love it. My name is Andrew. See you later. Bye. Hey, Andrew, thanks for the nice comments. Thanks for the question. Um, Moving money from a mutual fund to an ETF, most of the time, even if you're going from a similar fund, an S&P 500 to another S&P 500, in many cases still is a taxable event. Vanguard has cooked up a way to do it without a taxable event. I don't know that Schwab has. I don't think so. I can't say that absolutely for sure, but I'm pretty sure. So you would have to pay the taxes on the capital gain. At this juncture, you're not talking about a gigantic difference in expense ratios and an equity portfolio, like like an index fund, like the S&P 500 fund isn't going to distribute a lot of capital gains. And their expense ratio, as you said, is ridiculously low. It's two one-hundredths of 1%. Two one-hundredths of 1%. It has a tiny little turnover. They only turn over about 4% of the portfolio, which means you're not going to have much in the way of capital gains. I don't think it's worth bothering because you've got a lot of realized capital gains, as you can see, but you haven't paid taxes on those. That's the advantage to an index-type fund. You pay taxes only on distributed gains, and they don't distribute very many. At least historically, they haven't, and they really won't unless there's a big change to the index. So I would probably just leave it alone and going forward, diversify past the S&P 500. And if you want to get into ETFs, get into something like VT 
which will give you the total global market to expand your horizons, increase your diversification, and smooth out the bumps a little bit. I know the S&P 500 has done really well over the past 11 years, but you must remember that during the previous decade, the S&P 500 did terribly, while a global portfolio would have done a lot better. So diversify, 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 and give us a call at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Or again, you can record your question or type it, recording it's more fun, or type it at TalkingRealMoney.com. Hello. I have a question regarding uh, backdoor Roth and mega backdoor Roth contributions. I am 60, single, never married. Income is about 200000 maybe 204 with bonuses. Uh, last couple of years, I have been working a uh, backdoor Roth into a Vanguard uh, Roth uh, IRA. I also have a 401k with my employer, which I can do in-service uh, distributions. Therefore, I could work a uh, Paul Mer- Merriman-like mega backdoor Roth. I have about... Uh, 17,000 in after-tax contributions, of which about 6,500 are taxable. Um, so, and I'm considering retiring somewhere between 62 and 67 with holding off Social Security until 70. I got uh, one of the vestry of retire maps, which shows I'm on track for being able to bingo at 62, but I still kind of like my work. Anyway, my question is, can I do both a backdoor and a mega backdoor in the same year? And also, considering my uh, short time horizon, uh, well, short two to five years before retiring, uh, is it worth even doing a mega backdoor such that by paying the taxes, which I would do with separate funds, it's worth the paying the taxes for the whatever uh, tax regains I may get? And uh, my investment is pretty simple, uh, pretty much along the uh, Merriman 3 fund uh, uh, for Vanguard. Uh, but uh, right now, 60% uh, stocks, about uh, two-thirds American, one-third international, and about 40% Vanguard international well, index uh, bonds. Thank you, and I very much enjoy the podcast. Let me start by saying I'm a big fan of Roths. I like having Roths, but I also believe that hedging your bets is a good idea. I think we should all probably, the younger you are, the better the Roth is. The older you are, the less it's going to benefit you going forward. And since you're getting so close to retirement, I don't know that I'd bother with both the backdoor, the backdoor Roth, and the mega backdoor Roth. One comes from your IRA, the other comes from your 401k. I just can't see a huge advantage to you because remember, you're going to pay the taxes now and the the recovery period for getting those back is going to be quite long. Um, And you don't know which way taxes are going to go down the road. Yeah, they'll probably go up, but that's making a bet. I like hedging it and I just really don't see a huge advantage. I might just keep doing the smaller backdoor Roth and then maintain the 401k as the pre-tax money from which you will start withdrawing first when you start taking money out in retirement. And if you're going to start taking money out at 62, uh, you're going to need a pretty big pool of money on which you can 
pay taxes, which is not Rothed. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's overkill. I probably wouldn't do it. No, I'm confident I wouldn't do it. I'm in my 60s too. So no, I wouldn't do it. Thanks so much for the question. We appreciate it. We got time for, I think we'll do one more before we call it a week. Here's our next one. Hey, Don and Tom, this is Ada. I'm a stacker visiting from the Stacking Benjamin show. Love your segment and have been binge listening to your old episodes for the past few months. I feel myself getting older. I meant uh, wiser as I listen. All joking aside, I'm 31, single, and looking to help supplement my parents' retirement. They are 65 and 68 with a very small nest egg of about 100000 in a traditional IRA. Both retired and bring bringing in about 1500 a month in Social Security. They have Medicare, but looking at the budget, I'm guessing they'll need my help supplementing their lifestyle in about 10-ish years. I'm totally happy to help as they've sacrificed a lot for me growing up. So my question to you is, are there tax-efficient strategies that I can start considering now to help with the so-called allowance that I'm looking to distribute to my parents in the future? Maybe like a charitable remainder trust, or are those really targeted for the ultra-wealthy? Or should I start saving now in a 529? I know it's not for education, but, you know, you can't ignore tax-free growth for like 10 years. Um, for some background, I make about low six figures and I'm on track for my own retirement, maxing out all those accounts uh, for the past three years. Anyways, let me know what you think and looking forward to hearing your advice on the show. Oh my gosh, Ada. If you didn't already have parents, I'd be looking to adopt you. What a good soul. I, I, that's That's above and beyond the norm. You don't often see kids helping parents. And wow, that's cool. That's really nice. And and you're right. They're going to need it. Oh, good soul. What a good soul. Um, how would I do this? You said 10 years. So you're figuring they can get by fine on what they have for the next 10 years. A couple of things I would probably do then. You're making good money. I would probably, just as you would do for yourself, Above and beyond your retirement plan, I would just build a diversified portfolio, probably at your age, of equities, knowing full well that it's going to be volatile. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. But you're 31. You got time. You know, probably even start with something as simple as the Vanguard Total World or the Fidelity Total Stock and International or something like that. And I would just let those ride for a decade. Let them grow. Let them go up. Let them go down. Let them do the things that they do. Then at that 10-year mark, when you start subsidizing them, take out about 5% a year or so from this account. If you need more, then take out more. You'll draw down the account, but 5%, I don't figure you're going to draw the account down much, if at all, at 5% a year. At least you wouldn't have in the past. But if you need to give them more, give them more. And that's okay to give them more. You can give them more from your income. You can give them more from the investment portfolio. Because here's what you can do. Because the bulk of their income is Social Security. And going forward, it's going to be pretty much, except for you, it's going to be all of their income. Well, when you start helping them, claim them as your dependent dependents. Because you'll get 
the tax deduction, which is going to be very meaningful for you. As a matter of fact, you could even start helping them a little bit now because I can't imagine that over and above their Social Security money, they're pulling in much more than $4,000 a year. So if they're pulling in less than $4,000 a year, you anything you give them is going to be more than half of their income. And you should be able to claim them as dependents, giving yourself a sizable tax deduction. Probably enough to cover a good part of what you're paying them. So it could kind of be a win-win. Their tax deduction is doing them no good. They're in a zero tax bracket. They don't need it. You do. So what I would suggest, just to make sure you dot your I's and cross your T's, as they say, do it all right. Um, if you do want to help them now, just get with your get with a CPA and just make sure you follow all the rules to the letter. But I believe the number is like, if, you're, if they make less than, let me just double check. Yeah. Yeah. You can claim your parents as a dependent if they have a gross income, had a gross income in 2020. I don't know what it is in 2021, of less than $4,300. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see why. Because gross income does not include Social Security. No. You should be able to claim them as a dependent if you're helping them at all. I mean, here's here's basically what they said. that The person you're, you're claiming has to be related to you. So that works in this case. They must be U.S. residents. That works in your case. They cannot file a tax return, a joint return, in the year you're going to claim them. They're not going to get a refund. Or if they file one just to get a refund, you you can still claim them. If your parent has an income of forty three hundred or had in two thousand twenty, I think it's the same. Um, then you can claim them, and you must provide more than half of the support for them during the year. Um, it and and there's a, also wait. Let me just double check this. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, some you and somebody else have to contribute more than half. So um, I just just double check it, but certainly something to do. And and definitely, if you're going to go with the ten year payout, I would just invest it as you normally would. And remember, a growth oriented mutual fund, as I mentioned to the previous questioner, what is is already a tax break. Don't use a 529. Don't make this more complicated than it needs to be. Putting it in VT is already tax deferred because all of those capital gains just keep growing on themselves because they're not distributed and they never are distributed. The only time you pay on capital gains is when you sell it and you'll pay it at the capital gains rate, which is usually lower or has been. Thank you. Great job. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to both us and Stacking Benjamins. And if you have a question, call it in at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. If you have one of those complex, really involved questions that involves you know, your portfolio and all these moving pieces and trying to get a plan together, sometimes it does pay to sit down with a professional and hash this stuff out. 
try to get a plan started or look at your portfolio and see what kind of mistakes you've been making that you're probably not even aware you're making. That's why we've offered and will continue for as long as we are able to offer you free access to one of our fiduciary advisors, 100% fiduciary advisors at Vestry for free for a visit. We cannot manage your money for free. We have to make a living. And you'll find that if, if we manage your money, you're likely to do a lot better than what you pay us. So it's probably worth it anyway. But if you want free help, free, no obligation, no sales pitch, just go to vestry.com and set up an appointment or call 800-386-3004. Have a great rest of your day, your weekend, whatever's coming up for you. And keep listening to Talking Real Money. We have about five shows a week, maybe more, maybe less, somewhere in that ballpark. And tell your friends, and if you really love what you hear, leave a review at Apple Podcasts. That's where all the reviews get left. Even if you don't use it, please reviews it. Thanks. <laughs> Take. I know it's dumb. It was. It was a kind of an alliterative thing. Uh, thanks for being there. Take good care of yourselves. We'll talk to you again next week. I'm Don McDonald. Hanging out, talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.